This paid program may not represent the views of Hubbard Broadcasting Incorporated or Federal News Network. Statements and opinions of this broadcast are solely those of individual contributors or advertisers as indicated. Federal News Network does not take responsibility for the statements or opinions and accepts no responsibility or liability for any inaccuracy, errors, or omissions reported during this program. Welcome to Executive Leaders Radio. In this hour, you'll hear directly from our region's finest business leaders. Through each of the interviews, these high-achieving leaders become relatable role models who share how they were able to build their enterprise, their personal secrets of success, about leadership styles and opportunities that lie ahead. Prepare to be inspired and entertained and to hear wisdom unheard elsewhere. Executive Leaders Radio. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio, broadcast from Colliers International in Tyson's Corner, Virginia. This is your host, Herb Cohen, with my co-host, Mark Haas, Association for Enterprise Growth, Andrew Howard, Howard Insurance, Joe Applebaum, Potomac Companies, Jim Morgan, People Stretch Solutions, Alex Fleming, YHB Accounting, and Steve Huberman, Colliers International. We have a great lineup of guests for, our, for you on our show today. Mark, could you please give us the rundown, please? Yes, today on the show we have Ashish Katru, CEO of Altruista Health, John Hecklinger, President and CEO of Global Fund for Children, Daniel Cohen Dumani, partner of Witham Smith and Brown, and Jonathan Gessert, CEO of 321 Marketing. Let's get to know our first guest, Ashish Katru, who's CEO of Altruista Health. What, what is Altruista Health, Ashish? Altruista Health is a healthcare technology company that works with risk bearers, mostly health insurance payers, to help manage their members to better health outcomes through uh-huh. our technology. Uh-huh. How large or how small is this team? About 500 people. Uh-huh. And how did you get a job with this company? I started it back in 2007. Oh, you started the business. Where are you from originally? I am from uh, India, specifically uh-huh. from northern India, Kashmir. Uh-huh. Well, what kind of uh, <clears throat> what kind of stuff was happening uh, back in your uh, childhood that may have uh, helped shape you to create a business that's 500 people from scratch? Uh, Kashmir is a beautiful valley. I had a very normal childhood up to about 14 years of age, and it's at that point of time when uh, terrorism started to erupt in Kashmir, and it was directed at the minority community. Unfortunately, I was part of the minority community. My parents were taken hostage, and uh, we had we lost everything overnight. We had to start all over again. So from having a life that was pretty normal to having a life that was completely abnormal, that just happened within a matter of 12 to 14 hours. Within how many hours, 12 or 14 hours, that whole transition occurred? That's right. We had to run and fend for our lives. And uh, you mentioned that your dad was the president of a university previously and that you guys ended up, uh, you have an older brother, but he was out of the house by then, that the three of you ended up in a one-room apartment together? That's right, yes. Actually, another room had another family in it. Wow. Boy, you went from one extreme to the other, didn't you? It did. Uh Uh-huh. All right. Don't Mark? wish that on anyone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mark? Uh, b- before this uh, transition mildly uh, happened, tell us about your family life. What was important to them? What's your relationship with your parents? Um, I have a great, blessed to have a great family. My dad and mom are both very loving. My dad was very academically driven, given that he was president of a university. My mom actually was a school teacher as well. Uh, But what I got from her is how to love people, the emotional intelligence, 
what to watch out for, what not to watch out for, and how to care for people at a deeper level. Didn't you so, mention that uh, something happened with your mom's pride because of this uh, <clears throat> transition? Yeah, it got shattered because we lost everything overnight, and um, she found herself with nothing, and the whole family have found themselves with nothing. But then she directed that towards instituting that and regaining that through the success of her children. So she really invested in us. Mm-hmm. Uh, who's got the next question? Ashish, what, uh, what type of activities were you involved with before all of this happened? Um, it was a pretty normal life, uh, academics, and then in sports I was playing soccer, which I really liked. I played cricket, which is the Indian version of baseball. Um, and then I was a swimming uh, state-level champion in Kashmir. I did about seven miles in four and a half hours when I was about 14 years old. Wow, so state-level champion. What type, of, uh, what type of characteristics do you think that you had that made you that state-level champion? I think it was the grit to uh, see something very arduous through. Um, and uh, that, that grit I have carried through uh, the rest of my life up till today. What do you mean you've carried it through the rest of today? What, uh, what are you talking about? Uh, in the sense that uh, whenever I have faced adversity, whether it was losing our home and trying to make myself uh, something out of myself at that point of time, just primarily focusing through studies and doing well in academics so that I could uh, be someone someday, or then starting a business now uh, back in 2007 uh, and having the tenacity to see it through, especially when there was very difficult times in 2007 when the whole financial bottom fell and you had to figure out how to make it through Mm -hmm. with nothing. Mm -hmm. Uh, That grit carried me through. Oh, I see. Andrew? By way of uh, rebuilding and uh, the family being in this one bedroom, what did what did you? How did you handle that specifically at, at age fourteen and in, in the in the months and years after that trauma? It was uh, it was a very difficult experience. Obviously, um, I credit my parents more than I credit myself for handling it through. I was mostly focused on studies and making something out of myself, but. They had to make all the sacrifices when they couldn't have any guests because it would disrupt my studies or they wouldn't even be able to really talk to each other when they were in the room because it would disrupt me from their studies. So I give all the credit to them to be able to create an environment which was as normal as Mm -hmm. possible, even though it was just that one room with a kitchen in the corner. Alex, how old were you when you came to the United States and why? I was 23. Um, At the time, I wanted to pursue a master's degree. I was also looking for opportunities in terms of uh, America is known as the land of opportunity, and that's where I had an opportunity to come. And I didn't have a home because we're thrown out of our home, so why not make a home in this country? What was your master's degree in? Nanotechnology. What does nanotechnology studying that have to do with building a healthcare consulting company? Yeah, <laughs> I get asked that question a lot. Uh, I I had several other experiences in addition to nanotechnology, uh, but in every business you learn how to build a product and how to create teams and how to manage teams and how to motivate them, how to get their passion out towards a certain cause. And I think those those experiences, mm-hmm. that has something to do with me sure. building a business John, in healthcare. What, John, what question do you have? Yeah, I just be interested in what kinds of those experiences you take into your day-to-day running of your large business now. 
Yeah, uh, it's it's really all about the people. What I believe is what I learned through those experiences is if you invest in people, if you invest in teams, and if you bring out the best out of them, they will rally for a cause. I think human beings are the only animal group that has the power to imagine, that has the power to dream, and I'm very passionate about our people dreaming and imagining of what world is possible and what they can rally behind, and that's what I bring here. Stephen? Ashish, as we talk about your accomplishments, um, and people tend to draw on their uh, past experiences, one thing that's pretty apparent is you've had some real adverse adversity in your background. Mm -hmm. And I think really the, the question for me is, is you know, how do you manage that adversity uh, you, you know, as, a, as a business person, as an executive, uh, in your influences and, and moving forward? Uh, and is it ever present for you? It is definitely ever present. It never leaves you. You just know how to manage it better. But one good way of managing it and driving people towards the right behavior is to share it with them and show them that if I could do it with those types of adversities at a very young age, they certainly can do much more. And it's uh, remarkable to see that belief light up in their eyes and uh, they rally behind a cause which would have been pretty arduous to achieve otherwise. Mark? So you've got uh, degrees in business and technology. Is there a particular author or you know, subject, literary character that resonates with you? I've always been influenced by business leaders who have made a big impact in their communities and societies, uh, especially business leaders who invest a lot in their people, such as Jack Welch, such as when you read the book about Jim Collins, Good to Great, um, um, or Build to Last. You really see these business leaders that uh, are transformational and how they invest in their people, and I try to learn from them to uh, beat that kind of a person. Well, you certainly deserve uh, an opinion. I mean, you've created 500 people from nothing. Yes? It's, it's all about the team. I would say, yes, it was my idea, but without the people coming together, without the employees really mm -hmm. being passionate Are your mom and dad it. aware of what you've done? Are your mom and dad still around? My my mom, unfortunately, mm -hmm. is not. Mm -hmm. uh, she died in a mm -hmm. bad accident. Sorry to hear that. Is dad aware of your success? He is. How do you think he feels? He feels very proud. Yeah, I bet he does. What's yeah. the website address of this organization known as Altruista Health? AltruistaHealth.com. We've been speaking with Ashish Kashru, CEO of Altruista Health, here on Executive Leaders Radio. Don't forget to visit our website. It's ExecutiveLeadersRadio.com. Learn more about our executive leaders. It's ExecutiveLeadersRadio.com. We'll be back in a moment right after this break. And your name and organization is? I'm Jeremy Shen with YHP CPAs and Consultants. And what, 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 what do you do for a living, Jeremy? So I'm the marketing director at YHP, so I oversee all of the marketing, business development, public relations, and, and outreach events. And what kind of firm is this? We're a public consulting firm as well as accounting firm, so we work with a lot of different organizations. So you're an accounting firm and a consulting firm. You work with a lot of different organizations, and your role is to help get the word out? I get to tell the story of the great people that work there and how we make uh, clients grow more confidently. Um, what turns you on about your job? What do you like about your job? Yeah, so I enjoy working with people that are passionate about what they do, that care about what they do and who they do it for. Um, they're just not always great about telling the story of, of that, and I get to tell that story. How young were you when this was showing up in your childhood? Um, probably since uh, I grew up with a single parent. I was the youngest of three. Um, I was the kid on... Um, 
you know, they got the free lunches at school. Uh, so I think I saw that if, if you had the opportunity to, to do something better, then you should. Um, and, and so that doesn't mean it's always better for you. It can mean it's other for, for other people. And I've always had that people in my life step in to uh, uh, help me along the way. And that's what you're doing. And probably that's what you figure you're doing at this accounting firm, this consulting firm, aren't you? And I think that's what marketing in its truest sense should be. What do you mean? Uh, uh, and, you know, you've got so much things with data and things that aren't, uh, you know, manipulating things and that's not out there. And that's not really what marketing is. What excites me is when you get to tell, uh, you know, you find something that's good and, and show why it is. Uh-huh. What's the website address of this organization that you're really proud to work with? Uh, YHBCPA.com. Let me have that one more time. YHBCPA.com. And your name again is? Jeremy Shen. And what's your role there? I'm the marketing director. Uh-huh. Uh, this is Herb Cohen. Don't forget to our website, executiveleadersradio.com. We'll be back in a moment right after the spotlight. And your name and organization is? Uh, Elijah Millard. I'm with 321 Web Marketing. And Elijah, what, what's your uh, role with 321 Marketing? So I'm a uh, d- digital marketing director. Uh, my job is to uh, get clients ranking on the top page of Google. Your job is to get clients ranked on the top page of Google. I thought all you had to do was pay for that. So that is a way. Um, our way is organically, so it's cheaper and quicker um, and lasts longer over time. Uh huh. Why does this gig appeal to you? Why is this appealing to your nature of this job? So uh, inherently, I am very athletic um, and also um, competitive. Uh, my competitive nature brings out uh, successful results for clients uh, since it is a literal ranking system on Google. What do you mean it's a literal ranking system on Google? What are you talking about? So in search results page, uh, there's 10 results on the first page. Uh, the idea is to get our clients ranking on the first page, um, positions one through 10. Um, if you're not first, you're last. So uh, moving forward. Um, so you look at it as a personal win, don't you? Absolutely. Every, every uh, client I work for is a personal win. Yeah, I really believe that because I really sense your competitive nature here. So as opposed to them hiring somebody that's just going to do a gig, just do the job, it's like you really want to win. You really feel good when these clients end up on the first page, don't you? Oh, absolutely. If, it, if they're not on the first page, then I, I'll, I'll work tirelessly to get them on the first page because uh, winning for them is a win for me. Working tirelessly, but how do you, there's a lot of stuff involved you got to figure out in order to do that, don't you? Absolutely. There, there's algorithm changes every day, so it's a constant um, updates and uh, mm-hmm. moving with the tide. So mm-hmm. it, it enhances the competitiveness over time as well. Oh my gosh, it would cripple some people. You really enjoy the challenge of the complexity. What's the website address of your organization? It's 321webmarketing.com. Let me have that one more time. 321webmarketing.com. And your name again is? Elijah Miller, I'm and the director name, of digital marketing. And the name of the company? 321 Web Marketing. This has been your business spotlight. We're back. You're listening to Executive News Radio. This is your host, Herb Cohen. We'd like to introduce John Hecklinger, who is the president and CEO of an organization known as Global Fund for Children. John, what is the Global Fund for Children? What are you guys doing? Yeah, we're a nonprofit organization that finds uh, great organizations all over the world helping children. And we provide them with several years of flexible funding and some support to help themselves become more effective as organizations. Wait, wait. You're helping, why is this gig appealing to you? I'm trying to figure that out. Well, there are so many people around the world with amazing ideas uh, who don't have the opportunity to have those ideas uh, funded and supported and tried, and that's really our job, is to find these amazing people running these really promising organizations and uh, help them explore the great ideas they have for solving problems uh, where they are. Why is that appealing to you? 
Well, I've, I've always you know, had a, a sense of um, being of service, uh, going back to you know, values instilled in me uh, from family and just many of my you know, personal experiences over the years. I, uh, I try to be a problem solver. Uh-huh. Where were you from originally? I was born in New York City, but grew up in Springfield, Virginia. And how young were you when you started making money? Uh, Twelve. Uh-huh. What were you doing? Uh, I worked for a gentleman who had a, a large, uh, large place in Annandale, Virginia. How long did you work for him? Uh, and through high school. So probably four, five, six years, huh? That's uh-huh. right. And um, so what were you doing for him around his big house? Yeah, doing you know, basic things like mowing the lawn, taking care of the pool, taking care of the pond, uh, uh-huh. and just generally making things, uh, making did, things better. Did you, uh, did you come to him with ideas of what needed to get done? I, I did. Uh, he had plenty of ideas of his own, too. Uh-huh. Does that have anything to do with this idea, this ability of yours to go out of the box and to see other ways to do things and more stuff to get done? Does that have anything to do with your role with this organization known as Global Fund for Children? Yeah, absolutely. I think our, our approach is very different from the way things typically get done. And so part of what we're doing is try to demonstrate uh, that you know, seeing things in a different way and funding the not the usual suspects is uh, a very effective way to go. And didn't you also tell me in the green room that aside from working at this guy, this, this fellow's big house, that you also brought your buddies into the fold? That's right. Uh, it, it, I brought several of my friends in because there was plenty of work to do. So your nature is not just to come up with solutions that aren't necessarily apparent and work that needs to get done, but it's also to build a team around you, isn't it? That's absolutely right. Okay, just wanted to make sure I understood, Jim. So, John, what other type of activities were you involved in as a youth? Yeah, I played a lot of golf with my dad, uh, played some, some basketball, uh, and got involved in, in high school and, and student government and some of the charitable activities at, at my high school. So what drove you towards that, uh, that student government? You know, I, th- I think it was you know, my my dad was a uh, uh, you know at, at Northern Virginia Community College an administrator. My mom was a high school English teacher, so I always had this notion of, of being of service. Uh, so it always appealed to me to uh, be of service to others. Mm-hmm. Andrew, there was a there was an event that you ran in high school. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, it's called the the Super Dance, and it's still going on today. Uh, it's a marathon dance to uh, benefit cystic fibrosis research. Uh, and uh, when uh, I was in, in charge of the student council, we set a, a goal to raise $100,000 during the dance for the first time, and, and we actually made it. Excellent. And where does this foundation for charitable work come from? Um, you know, is this, is this mom and dad? Is this innate within you? Was there anything specific where that came from? Yeah, I, I think it really does come from, from mom and dad. Uh, my uncle and aunt were in the Foreign Service uh, for many years, and so I, I always had a sense from them of, you know, service and and being globally engaged. And uh, actually, my uh, my neighbors I was very close to growing up. Uh, two of them actually ran the super dance before I did. Uh, so I had uh, pretty pretty direct role models. Mark, so did you have a group of uh, core group of friends growing up? Uh, I did. How big was it? Uh, f- probably f- six of us. Okay. And what was your particular role? Uh, you know, aside from being the more more bookish one, I was you know kind of the organizer and the uh, maybe the glue. Mm-hmm. Sounds familiar. Uh-huh. Steven? We always uh, tend to look back and see how we get hardwired between sort of 8 and 14 years old. Uh, during those years, do you have brothers and sisters? Were they in the house with you as you grew up during those formidable years? Uh, no, I had no, no siblings. Uh, and uh, did you have uh, uh, sort of a social network at that time growing up uh, that, that, uh, that, that you, you know, met with or played with or, or that, that helped sort of 
formulate your your hardwired DNA? Yeah, I was very lucky. Our, our next door neighbors uh, had six kids uh, and have been extremely close family friends ever since. Uh, and just by coincidence, uh, yeah, my best friend is the youngest of those six. I uh, had also great friends who are the youngest of nine and second youngest of seven. So always had a, a community to plug into. What's that have to do with what you're doing nowadays? Well, the way social change happens in the world, um, yes, uh, sometimes you need a a charismatic leader to get something going, but uh, change happens in complex ways that really need the participation of everybody working a problem together. So you understand when to step out front and you understand when to step back, don't you? It just sort of comes naturally to you. I, I, I like to think as a, a leader, uh, I'm really more of a catalyst and, and leading from within the ranks. Uh, Wait a minute, how many brothers and sisters do you have? Uh, I don't. So how'd you learn all this stuff? Uh, maybe it was just being a part of uh, the larger, uh, larger families growing up uh, and being a part of uh, successful team efforts uh, along the way. Wait, give me that again. The way you learned about leading from the front and behind and building teams, give me that again. Uh, I think you know part of it was you know growing up at um, we're, if we're focusing on ages eight eight to fourteen, you know being embedded in you know the the networks of families where I was uh, and seeing how things worked was was you know part of it. So you were hanging out with these families. You were also getting a sense of how the larger that's one of the reasons it was six seven kids and nine kids. Mm-hmm. You were getting a sense of the group dynamics of the team dynamics, weren't you? Yeah, ab- absolutely. Uh huh, Mark. You, you were your parents were academics. You were headed for a career in academia. What uh, turned you to the Peace Corps and going to Africa? Yeah, uh, going to Africa at the time. I it was 1992. There was a recession on. I just got my master's in English, and uh, uh, Peace Corps provided me the opportunity to teach at a university uh, in Africa. So I ended up at the University of Bangui in Central African Republic. Uh huh. Alex, uh, in the green room, you had mentioned. During your time in the Peace Corps, you were sort of a teacher of teachers. That's right. And I really like that term. And could you describe how that fits in with your organization now? It's 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 very similar. You know, at, at the time uh, in the nonprofit sector, we called you know developing capacity of organizations, and that's what I was doing with these teachers who are te- themselves teachers of English in uh, secondary schools. And that's exactly what we do with organizations now. We uh, help them, you know, become uh, higher capacity in various ways, more effective at what they do by providing that funding and advice. Mm-hmm. Who's got the next question here? Mm-hmm. So th- this gig that you've got, you, you really enjoy this. It's really part of who you are, isn't it? Yeah, it, it really is in, in many ways my dream job and my passion. W- why is it your dream job? Um, it comes back to the idea that you know there are so many brilliant people around the world um, and as as much as there are a lot of issues in the world there's so much positive uh, momentum happening um, but a lot of it doesn't have a chance uh, to get tried because of just simple lack of a few thousand dollars uh, here and there and it's a real didn't you have that experience that. when you were uh, in the Peace Corps or something something happened where two or three thousand dollars would have made a big difference I, I did. What was I, that experience? Yeah, I had a side project. Uh, we are trying to produce a study guide uh, for secondary school students. Um, we were about to go to press. We had $2,000 uh, lined up uh, from Peace Corps funding, and uh, unfortunately we were evacuated, and I have no idea what happened to that effort. So you had a direct experience how a couple of bucks could make a big difference. Yeah, and seeing how the lack of it uh, led to something not getting tried that should have. Not getting tried that should have. So you're all about giving things a chance, aren't you? 
Yeah, that's right. The more things that uh, get tried, the more things are likely to succeed. I think it works in, in business, uh, works in biology, uh, and seems to be the way social change happens as well. So in the business world, it's called venture capital or private equity or family funds. It sounds like you're doing that, you know, in terms of the nonprofit community around the world. That's a great analogy. Yeah, you're trying to get startups to occur. You know, you're trying to seed those original ideas and let the entrepreneurs of those ideas take them and run with them. You want to give them, you want to fertilize them, it sounds like. It is a, a venture philanthropy approach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you ever hear about any of the successes that you've uh, managed to help create? Uh, that's a huge driver for me. Um, it's you know, really remarkable when, you know, you meet with an organization and uh, the org- and, uh, the, and GFC was you know, mm-hmm. the first funder many years ago, and now they've become much bigger than than we are and and higher capacity. Boy, you're all about giving birth. What's what's the uh, what's the uh, website address for this organization, Global Fund for Children? It's uh, globalfundforchildren.org. Let me have that one more time. Globalfundforchildren.org. We've been speaking with John Hackinger, Hackinger, President and CEO of Global Fund for Children, here on Executive News Radio. Back in a moment, right after this break. One help building your business with help from this show's CEOs. Our CEOs can help you uncover more opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues, because our CEOs have been there and done that. They've succeeded in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars, and some are available to advise you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. The same CEOs you've heard on the show for 10 years may be willing to help you build your business, uncover new opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues, because our CEOs have been there and done that, succeeding in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. And some are available to advise you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. And your name is? Ramon Parker. And Ramon, the name of the organization? Loudon Free Clinic. And you were telling me there's some, something special about the Loudon Free Clinic where every dollar that goes in does something else. What was that all about? Yeah, it does something magical. So for every dollar that's donated to our clinic, we can deliver $8 worth of care. And what kind of clinic is this? Who are, you, who are you helping out? What kind of stuff do you guys do? So we're helping out those who are 18 to 64 who are uninsured and low income, 200% or below the federal poverty level. And give me this thing about the math again. Give me how that works. So essentially, I have a, a staff of 12 individuals and 128 volunteers. So with that kind of payer mix, I'm able to deliver you know, anywhere from $8 uh, in care for our patients. Because you've been able to enroll the support of so many volunteers, you're actually keeping the cost of health care down and therefore multiplying the dollars. And making one of, it, one of the best business investments for private corporations who want to invest. And didn't, ah, interesting. So private businesses and individuals can get involved. And didn't you Absolutely. tell me you had a couple of health care challenges yourself? What were they? I have. I've had four open heart surgeries, and it mm-hmm. helps me to understand what patients need. What are you talking about? What do you mean? So the idea of having been on the table or being a patient, I'm able to take a patient focus in how we deliver care differently than most people would. What do you, you learn from those experiences personally? What do you appreciate that most of us don't? I appreciate consistency. Um, I think that a, a staff at the hospital, nurses, providers, mm-hmm. parents, mm-hmm. family, all those people consistently being around me and consistently offering me hope. Uh, I'm so full of it that I have to offer that to the patients and to the staff when I'm working with them. 
What's the website address for the Loudon Free Clinic? Loudonfreeclinic.org. Let me have that one more time. L-O-U-D-O-U-N freeclinic.org. We've been speaking with your name again? Ramon Parker. And this has been your business spotlight. Thank you. We're back. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, Herb Cohen. We'd like to introduce Daniel cohen Damani, who's partner at Witham Smith & Brown. And Daniel, what is Witham Smith & Brown, and what's your role there? So Witham Smith & Brown is a, a top 25 advisory and public accounting firm. And I've run a group called Witham Digital, which is an IT consultant part of the business that focuses on helping and business transform the way they work and make them more effective and productive. Uh-huh. And how large or how small is your group? My group is about uh, close to 550 people. Uh-huh. And where you're from originally? I was born in Switzerland in a city called Lausanne uh-huh. on the Lake of Geneva. How many brothers and sisters? And where are you in the packing order? I have a twin sister and a younger brother. Uh-huh. And uh, how did your twin sister help you build a consulting business? Um, you know, at a young age, uh, being um, a twin uh, with a sister, uh, we had to learn to share. Right, my uh, parents were actually really young when uh, when 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 we were born, and and it was not easy for them. But we had to learn to share and and, and get and, and do the most out of it. What's the, what's that have to do with building a consulting business? Uh, I, you know, I think it 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 brought me the um, the need to challenge myself and to find ways to uh, to win to a certain degree and succeed. Uh huh, Stephen. Daniel, you're in a leadership position with a big firm now, but we understand you actually started your own firm in 2002. Why don't you tell us a little bit about where you got the money to start that up and the idea and uh, where where that firm is now? So in uh, 2002, um, I saw an opportunity to create a, a business that I named Portal Solutions, which uh, focused on helping business create a web-based portal. Um, I started by myself. I actually started doing the work of always been a technical person, I enjoyed doing that, and next thing I knew, I had too much work and started hiring people, and um, you know, we go into business to about 50 people, and in 2017, uh, I had an opportunity to bring the business into a accounting firm which wanted to expand in the IT consulting world and needed a leader that uh, can bring this business and, and grow it and make it better. Mm-hmm. So Daniel, what type of things were you involved with as a youth? You know, uh, as a young uh, individual, um, when when I was about 14 years old, uh, my parents saw an opportunity to send me to a computer camp, which uh, if you think back uh, in 1982, uh, that was sort of new, right? Um, but I, you know, I had an opportunity to learn computer and got really excited about, about software and, and specifically the challenge around what what it means to, to program a computer and make it do what, what, what you want it to, to do. So what was it about that that, you were, that caught you on fire? Um, you know, I think the challenge. Uh, the challenge to do something that seems really hard and do something that, uh, you know, push you to do things that, that you're not used to and, and, and maybe that you're scared of. Mm-hmm. So hey. how do you bring that to work today? Mm. You know, I think that I've, I've always been a, a person that likes challenges. Uh, I like to do something that either nobody has done before uh, or that seems really, really hard. And, you know, I usually don't take no for an answer. Mm-hmm. Andrew? Was your twin sister at this computer camp? You know, my twin sister attended that computer camp uh, definitely at that age. And uh, we, we certainly took a different path, but, uh, but she was there along, along with me, yeah. So this, was, this passion early was, uh, would you say that was one of the first things that became yours that you didn't share? Yes, yeah, yeah. I think uh, you and know, what did as, she do? As, as as teenager, uh, we, 
we, we started evolving in, in different ways and I think, you know, she's more of a, you know, autistic, uh, spiritual person and a more technical, hands, hands down uh, mm -hmm. kind of guy. Do you bring that spirit uh, and that artistic side that you share with your twin sister to work? A little bit, yes. Yeah, I, I, I definitely take, um, you know, some some of the things that I've learned growing up around, you know, uh, sharing, caring with people. And, and, and certainly my, my, my sister was someone that I, I care for and she cared for me as well mm -hmm. as, a, as, as, a young, as mm -hmm. a young adult. Mark? What uh, brought you comfort as a child? You know, uh, a family, certainly. I grew up in a very close family with lots of cousins. Mm -hmm. How many cousins? Uh, over 10, yeah. Okay. And um, how, did, how did they see you? you? You were among the older? I was I was the older. Okay. I mean, technically, I was even the older of, of uh, my sibling with my sister, yeah. <laughs> And how how did they see you? What are they? What what is their image of you? You know, I was I was older by probably two or three years, and when you're young, you know, I mean, it's it's, it's much much more than it is now. But um, you know, they looked at me and 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 certainly wanted to emulate what I was doing, and 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 certainly interested in 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 in, in emulating, you know, uh, what 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 I was as as as, as a child what I was interested in and uh, and be be sort of a you know someone that that p play a big role in the family did you did your character as a person have an influence on them as well yeah it it it, it, it certainly did um, certainly did yeah is that is that uh, replicated in your employees right now do they yeah. look at you the same way yeah yeah that, you know I can, I can I can certainly see that uh-huh so this thing about your character it's an interesting question mark uh, your character with your cousins, your character with the company, I, I'm not sure I understand that. Tell me more about that. You know, I, um, uh, I like to build things. You know, and that's something I've done from a young age. And I think a company was some, something I can build. Uh, started from scratch and, and emulating a, a sense of fairness within my organization. And I wanted to grow people. That's something I, I wait, started wait, 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 wait. How young were you when you knew you wanted to grow something with fairness and to grow people? How young were you when you got that sense? You know, from, from a young age. You know, that's something that... How young? Probably in as a teenager, you know, like what? 16, what were you, 17, what were you doing? Or what were you thinking? Were you walking in the woods? Were you riding your bike when you got some vision? What was that all about? You know, I think it's 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 seeing you know my parents. I think I come from a family where my dad was a was a, a business owner, uh, started something, uh, a small company back back in Switzerland. Did you ever work? Did, did you ever work with your dad's business? I, I, I did work. With How my young dad's were you business. when you started working in your dad's business? I, I was young. I did summer internship and How young were with you? computers. How 16, young? Sixteen, seventeen. And what were you doing? Computer software, playing. Oh, computers. you had computers in your blood. So, where, so how how large or small was your dad's business? Um, my it was a small business, about 10, 15 people. Is your dad aware of what you're doing nowadays? Yes. How do you think is. he feels? I think he feels very proud and 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 uh, you know, why see do you a think sense he, of accomplishment. Why do you think he feels proud? What, what's he proud of? I think he's proud of, of what what uh, his kids uh, always do, and like like many parents. But I think he's uh, he's proud of uh, what I've been able to do. And does he know that you were able to be that you were acquired by a larger company? Oh, of course, yes, yeah. Uh -huh. And uh, did they, they, has he been to your office? He has. Yeah, my parents come here at least once a year. And How do you think they feel when they walk through the door of your office? Uh, they feel a sense of you know so, someone that has accomplished something and and. Uh, 
that they're very proud of. Uh-huh. Did your did your sister recognize? Did you give her a lot of the credit? Yeah, yeah. I think uh, you know, being yeah, there, there's there's always something you see as as a child going up, and and that there's always something that influenced the the way you are today, and the way that uh, you're probably going to be in the future too. Alex, it sounds like in Switzerland you had an opportunity to inherit a business and grow that. What brought you to the United States, though? So um, in the late 90s, uh, I was just a, a young um, married individual. I met my wife in, in Europe. She's, uh, she's from this area. Uh, and uh, I wanted an opportunity to, you know, probably try something new, right? And I saw it as a challenge, but also an, a business opportunity, right? So there was both, you know, trying to do something else in a new country and, and, and see how easy or not can I, can I adapt to that. Mm-hmm. Next question. Who's got it? So you you now live in the United States. You grew up in Lausanne. What did you bring with you from mm. the town of Lausanne? What's special about that that you can carry with you? Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, I'm a I'm a calm person. I grew up in an environment that's slow pace, mm-hmm. um, and I'm able to slow things down mm-hmm. a bit. Uh, and that I think is the nature I bring. And and uh, you know, yes, uh, you know, you want to go to business, but sometimes you have to slow things down. And I think growing up in a small city just taught me that. Is there? An, uh, are you talking about slowing things down to speed them up? Yes. What are you talking about? You know, we live in an age where things are going uh, and moving at a pace that's unheard of. And you know, I'm in a field in technology that's going uh, too fast for many people. I think that there's a need to step down and say, you know, how can we digest the the change of pace and how can we sometimes slow it down to accelerate further? Mm -hmm. So you like keeping your balance on stuff. It sounds to me like you know you're you're all about balance and choice. Oh yeah. Uh huh. What's the uh, what's the website address of this organization known as uh, Witham Smith and Brown? Uh, digital dot Let me have that again. How do you spell that, by the way? Digital dot w i t h u m dot com. We've been speaking with Daniel Cohen Dumani, partner of Witham Smith and Brown here on Executive Leaders Radio. Don't forget to visit our website. It's executiveleadersradio.com. That's executiveleadersradio.com. Learn more about our executive leaders. We'll be back in a moment right after this break. And your name is? I'm Tina Leone. I'm the CEO of the Boston Business Improvement District. And what is the Boston Business Improvement District? We work to attract, support, and connect the most compelling, creative, and ambitious minds in our region. Boston is known as an epicenter for research and discovery. Uh, Some of the greatest things that are invented, such as the MRI, the barcode, the internet, the first satellite, all were either conceived, funded, or developed by organizations here in Boston. How how old is this organization? We're just, just shy of six years old. How long have you been there? Uh, almost six years as well. Did you found this organization? Yes, I, I am the founding CEO. Why did you do that? Well, the, the, the organization actually came about uh, by the commercial property owners in why, Boston. Why, why, why does it turn you on? Why does your gig turn you on? <laughs> people. I mean, we the, the, the ability to connect people and then who knows the next great idea is going to result from that. We have incredible minds in the Washington, D.C. area. And Boston is, as I said, the epicenter for the smartest people in this area. So you're job you're like the master connector i feel like the mayor of of balsam the mayor of innovation because that's Uh what's happening so your idea your your thought is in order to create more stuff in order to launch more businesses in order to cause more good it's a matter of connecting the right people exactly and you like being in the middle of all that stuff. we love it we love it and simple things just connecting people through
through events, through art, uh, through a happy hour. Mm-hmm. You don't know what's going to come out of that. Mm-hmm. That's what's exciting. So it's all about the people. And you're the uh, you're the founder of this organization. Is this a nine to five kind of job? Oh for you? hell no! It's a lot longer uh-huh. than that, baby. So do you have to you have to work the weekends and stuff yeah, like that? Yeah, sure, sure. Let me have the website address of this sure, organization. Balsambid.com, and, and you can download the Balsam Connect mobile app. Let me have uh, let me have that website address one more Balsambid.com. time. It's B A. Give me the spelling on that. B A L L S T O N B I D dot com. Excellent. Your name again is Tina Leone. And the name of the organization is the Balsam Business Improvement District. And this has been your business spotlight back in a moment. Nice. Rock we on. That. That was that. Hi, this is Sherry from Hummingbird Market in Tucson, Arizona. I have some great news for those of you who like hummingbirds. Hummingbirds are the most loved and easily fed birds in the United States. Attracting these flying jewels into your yard is accomplished by using the proper nectar and feeders available from Hummingbird Market. Hummingbird Market has revolutionized hummingbird nutrition. We scientifically formulate hummingbird nectar made with all-natural plant sugars that most closely replicate nectar from Mother Nature's flowers. It hydrates and energizes the hummingbird with the essential sugar-blended nutrients it requires for proper nutrition, which keeps them coming back to your yard. Hummingbird Market is your preferred source for hummingbird-approved feeders, nectar, and accessories. Disconnect from your technology, gadgets, and daily obligations, and discover the natural beauty of hummingbirds. Want help building your business with help from the show's CEOs? Our CEOs can help you uncover more opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues because our CEOs have been there and done that, succeeding in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. And some are available to advise you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. The same CEOs you've heard on the show for 10 years may be willing to help you build your business, uncover new opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues, because our CEOs have been there and done that, succeeding in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. Some of the CEOs who have appeared on our shows over the last 10 years may be willing to help you grow Assuming you've ser- you're serious about your success, serious about your own success, because it all starts with the leader. If you're serious about creating your own successful business or truly committed to putting your nose to the grindstone and doing whatever it takes to make your business successful, we may be able to match you with successful CEOs who have created millions of jobs and earned millions of dollars to help you create your success. We've established unique relationships with a unique universe of over 7,000 CEOs who have created substantial wealth for their companies, their teams, and themselves. These women and men get the build in their blood and often continue to start and build businesses even after they've created substantial wealth for themselves because they love the challenge of building a business. Perhaps we can present you and your business to some of these CEOs to gain their interest in helping you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. To hopefully match you with some of the CEOs we've had on the show for the last 10 years. Mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. We're back. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. The show host, Herb Cohn. We'd like to introduce Jonathan Gesser, who's the CEO of 321 Web Marketing. Jonathan, what is 321 Web Marketing? What are you guys doing? Uh, well, at 321 Web Marketing, the biggest things we do are build enterprise-grade websites. And we build websites and we do digital marketing campaigns. Uh-huh. How large or how small is this organization? Uh, our organization is 16 staff. Uh-huh. Where are you from originally? 
I'm from Northern Virginia in the suburbs of DC. How many brothers and sisters? I'm the youngest of three. Youngest of three. Okay. And uh, Mark, where do you want to go? So tell me about the activities you were engaged in between the ages of eight and 14. Uh, what wasn't I involved in? <laughs> you know, um, you know, my parents, my mom was very much an artist and because of that, she really encouraged me to do a lot of art competitions. So I was doing a competition um, throughout that entire time, something called Reflections. Mm -hmm. uh, there's four different categories and I'd always compete in all of them. So usually, you know, there was a music category uh, for composition, illustration, you know, just the whole gambit. Um, on the other side, you know, my dad is a college athlete, so he really inspired me to do a lot of things like soccer, baseball, football. Uh, I really just did a whole lot of things, you know. Um, they encouraged me to try everything out. So a lot of kids would, would uh, take on activities just to follow their muse and do them because they enjoyed them. Sounds like a lot of your activities were competitive. So uh, to, to, to win or achieve or compare yourself against others. Uh, well, a lot of times I'd either work by myself in competitions, which was great. I think, um, you know, I think I also did a lot of team competitions. And what was great about that was I was always just kind of learning how to succeed no matter what the group dynamic was. Mm -hmm. What's that have to do with what you're doing nowadays? Uh, well, these days over at 321 Web Marketing, um, we have to continuously organize teams where sometimes I have to do things by myself to succeed, and oftentimes I have to organize like groups of three to six people for different projects and really enable them to be successful. Mm -hmm. Andrew? What did uh, mom and dad do, and, and what do you bring from them to work every day? Uh, well, my dad was in the intelligence community. He's ex-military, so I'm an Air Force brat. And really, um, what my dad taught me to do was to really uh, oftentimes speak slowly, actually, and think about the problem. He said it was okay to take a deep breath before I answer any questions. And I try to bring that to work. You know, um, there usually is no fire. We created ourselves. How about mom? Uh, my mom was an artist and a special education teacher, and she's so patient with everybody. Um, what I love about my mom is basically she just taught me that I could just do these things with my own hands. You know, I remember even in the second grade, um, I was getting involved in chess. She got me curious in doing chess. And at that time, we actually put together a chess club where everybody had to actually sign out, for, fill out forms as second graders to stay after school to work together. And when I think about that, you know, I could say that was divine, but in reality, I think it was through my mom's encouragement. What was through your mom's encouragement? Uh, just the ability to organize and orchestrate things. You know, um, I think a lot of people, I, who knows, I think a lot of people have to learn that. So you were doing that as a kid implicitly. Where, where else did you go ahead and organize the other kids? Uh, you know, I think it's funny, but later on in my life, I started organizing the kids a lot more when I actually started organizing music events. Mm -hmm. What kind of music events? Uh, well, I would start organizing, you know, community music events where basically there would be the headliner, which would be the musicians. Um, we'd put together the art for it, so maybe you know we'd have to find the venue. Um, we had to actually do graphic design. So really turned into full-blown production. Yeah, it wasn't it just one like aspect. It's from, it's, it's, it's from scratch. You're creating something completely from scratch, orchestrating all the artistic aspects, including the people. Oh, I guess that's what you're doing with the business, isn't it? Oh, completely. But you know, the real art to it, I think, is getting people to yes. Mm -hmm. None of this happens unless you can show people. Alex, what, uh, what's on your mind? Uh, in the green room, you'd mentioned that um, you know you've been involved in a lot of things, but that business was something that kind of confused you. Um, but obviously, now you're the CEO. How does you go from not really understanding business to now being CEO of a company? 
Well, uh, I think I've learned to make mistakes and make them faster. You know, um, what my parents told me and taught me really was I could just keep trying things out, and even if I failed with it, I could learn something from it. Even if you failed with it, you could learn something from it? A crazy concept, right? What's that have to do with building a business? <laughs> well, every day with 3 Web Marketing, um, I never had programmed before I started 3 Web Marketing. But from day one, I had to start building websites and teaching myself how to do things. Mm-hmm. And well, earlier, you were talking about you know, getting them to yes. So it sounds to me like you're always thinking backwards. You know, when you're talking to your clients, you're trying to figure out what they really need and how to create that performance like you were doing with the musical performances as a kid. Am I seeing the right connection there? You're seeing the right connection. You know, I think um, a lot of people have a lot of great ideas, and if you can convince them that your idea is great, then you can move it forward and show it to the world. So, but you're not concerned necessarily about just selling your clients an idea. It sounds to me like you really want to make sure that you're delivering for them the results. Elijah, how long have you been working together with uh, Jonathan? Uh, so it's been about two and a half, a little over two, two and a half years now. So when you guys are going in to talk to a client, you're really trying to figure out what they need, what they really want. It's what they need and what uh, identifying what they don't know they need. Uh-huh. Ah, so as opposed to selling them exactly what they want, you're trying to be honest with them to really give them the best of what you got. Exactly. Essentially, what we do is more consulting. We need to figure out um, what they need, you know, for business aspect, but also um, how we can uh, identify what they need that they don't know they so need. So they're getting the truth from you. Uh, absolutely. Uh-huh. What do you enjoy about working with Jonathan? Why do you like working with him? Um, I think one of the biggest aspects I like working with Jonathan with is, um, you know, we are both competitive in nature. um, And sometimes where it seems like we butt heads, it's more of um, we try to we put together solutions to come up with the best one cohesively. Yeah, you're really comparing notes. You're just having a debate about it. Jonathan, what's Elijah bringing to the party? Uh, What I like about Elijah, I mean, oh, my goodness. Um, Elijah has taught me that overtime leads to undertime. A lot of times he is the voice of reason, and he's shown how we can actually organize a team of you know, diverse individuals into the group you know, to get the best product. What are you talking about? Uh, well, overtime leads to undertime. Um, you know, basically, what we talk a lot about over at 3 to one Web Marketing is, you know, do you, wanna, you know, do you want to do 99 times the amount of work to get 99 times the amount of revenue? The answer is no. You need to be ingenuous. You need to come up with new solutions. And working more hours is not how you become more successful. Mm-hmm. Stephen, what, what are you thinking? Uh, I, I think every every executive falls somewhere on the spectrum of control freak, high, medium, or low. And so I would ask you where you see yourself and how you manage that to success for your organization. Uh, I think I am an extreme control freak by nature. But, you know... Um, I think that, you know, I read a rock climber say something along the lines of, you don't conquer the mountain, you conquer yourself. And conquering myself means actually letting my people do what they need to do. I think an even better quote that I really like is, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Ooh. Well, what was the, uh, what effect did Uncle John have on you? And, and uh, tell us a little bit about that exchange with Uncle John. Well, my uncle John, he he's the CEO of American Plastic Toys in Michigan. Um, it's a 300-person company, and you know, my uncle John would instill upon me that he started on the docks. He learned every aspect of the business from the ground floor, and I think on top of that, you know, sports was very important to my uncle John, and he would tell me how you think you're learning one thing during sports, but you're really learning something else. 
How old were you when you were having these conversations with Uncle John? Oh, you couldn't get me to stop asking them, you know, from like age eight and on. So why were you so interested in this stuff? Uh, you know, I just wanted to get into the weeds and learn how these things work, you know? Um, some, sometimes there's a divine spark there, you know? I don't know why I entered the Future Business Leaders of America, you know, business plan competition when I was 18. I just wanted to. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes there's just these interests that drive you forward and propel you mm-hmm. into what you're going to do for mm-hmm. the rest of your life. Yeah, spirit and energy. You're just following the flow, huh? Uh-huh. How old are you now? Uh, I am 30 years old. Uh-huh. Do you see yourself retiring someday? Uh, no. I want to be a serial entrepreneur. And, you know, even besides that, you know, my dad, my dad is 70 years old and he's still working. And it's not because he has to. It's because he loves working. And I feel the same way. Wait a minute. Wait. I thought the idea was to go to Florida and retire when you're 62 or something like that. You know, if you ever want to learn a great book for that, Built to Sell, um, you know, basically don't do the exit strategy. Do the option strategy. Have the option to do what you want with your business. Hmm. This is like you've done a lot of thinking, huh? I try to read as much as possible, and mm-hmm. you need new inputs to get new outputs. Mm-hmm. What, what's, the, uh, what's the website address of your organization? My website address is 321webmarketing.com. Let me have that one more time. It is 321webmarketing.com. We've been speaking with Jonathan Gessert, CEO of 321webmarketing here on Executive Leaders Radio. And Mark, would you please give us a rundown on who else we've had the opportunity of speaking with today? Sure. Her, today's show, we had Ashish Katru, CEO of Altruista Health. Um, John Hecklinger, President and CEO of Global Fund for Children. Daniel Cohen-Dumani, partner of Withan Smith & Brown. And Jonathan Gessert, CEO of 321 Web Marketing. I would like to thank my co-hosts, including Mark Haas, Association for Enterprise Growth, Andrew Howard, Howard Insurance, Joe Applebaum, Potomac Companies, Jim Morgan, People Stretch Solutions, Alex Fleming, YHB Accounting, and Steve Huberman, Colliers International, for giving me hand structure in the questions. Hope you're providing our listening audience an educational and entertaining show. Like to thank. Uh, don't forget to visit our website. By the way, it's executiveleadersradio.com to learn more about our executive leaders. It's executiveleadersradio.com to learn more about our executive leaders. Thank you for joining us today, and have a nice day. Bye bye. Thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to Executive Leaders Radio, the region's premier radio show highlighting local executive leaders. We hope you've enjoyed the show here on 1500 AM. You can learn more about Executive Leaders Radio by visiting executiveleadersradio.com or tune in next time right here on 1500 AM. That's executive. Executive Executive Leaders Radio.com.